Welcome to London Riverside Church Podcast. We hope you have a great day. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Let's pray. Should we pray? That's a good idea to start praying. Father, we pray you help us today. We pray you speak into our hearts and our minds and our souls and uh, help us believe your word, help us live by your word, help us to uh, obey your word, Lord. And uh, we invite you into this space right now, Lord, to do what you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, going to read a bit of a scripture, guys, okay? And uh, uh, John 5, 2 to 9. Uh, now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five colored colonnades, covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, one who had been there for invalid, an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there he l- and learned that he'd been there in this condition for such a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. When I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Uh, then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, picked up his mat and walked. Okay, a great story there, guys. I've lost my glasses. There they are. Okay, so I'll try and do it without them. Okay, so you know, the English language is amazing. Yeah, it's an amazing language that we have. Uh, not only are there words which sound the same but mean different things, yeah, but when we put our emphases on certain words, do you get that? No, okay, we're waking up. Okay, when we put our emphases on words, we can change the whole meaning. Okay, the whole meaning. Let's pretend, tragically, okay, and uh, it's not the best example in the world, I understand. Let's pretend there was a, uh, a killing, a murder took place, okay? And they took in uh, a suspect, and uh, the suspect was there, and uh, they asked him about the murder, and uh, the simple words, I didn't kill him, can be said so many different ways, can't it, yeah? Um, uh, I didn't kill him. Well, who did then, okay? I didn't kill him. Hmm, sounds like you're denying it, okay? Yeah, but he's still dead. I didn't kill him. Sounds like you had a good go, <laughs> okay? <laughs> I didn't, even more, even more sinister as this, okay? I didn't kill him. <laughs> who, 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 did, who did you kill, okay? And the, and the most sinister of the lot, I didn't kill him. That is, re- that is really, really sinister, okay? The Bible's the same, okay, there's no emphases in the Bible. In fact, I believe, okay, I'm not on good authority, I'll ask the, the, the scholars in the room, that there wasn't even any punctuation in the Bible. So to get the emphases is quite hard work. And uh, so Jesus said to this man, do you want to get well? How did he say it? Did he say, uh, do you want to get well? Or did he say, do you want to get well? Because he'd been there for 38 years. That's a long time to not be well for, to stand there at the pool. How many of us, guys, have been in oppositions for years and years and years? You know, friends, we always do what we want to do. Did you know that? We always end up doing what we want to do, you know? You will find a way to buy that jacket, or those shoes, or that phone. You will find a way. It will just seem right, okay? It will just seem like the right thing to do. (laughs) Uh, you know, I used to play Sunday morning football, okay? Sundays were not meant for football. There you go, okay? Uh, I didn't want to play, but I agreed to play for this team. 
in South East London. Okay, there we go. And uh, I used to get a free dinner out of the team, so I used to play for him. Okay, I, did I want to play? No, I didn't want to play, yeah? So once they actually burst into my room to get me out of bed to play, okay? Once I turned up for the team and I was meant to wash the kit, and I turned up with half the kit. So <laughs> where's the rest of the kit gone, okay? And uh, once I just didn't turn up at all. What was my actions showing? It was showing I did not want to play football. I did not want to play for that team. And uh, however much I said, yeah, I'll be there, I'll turn up, I'll do it, my actions spoke a lot louder than my words. And for all of it the same, okay? You will do what you want to do, yeah? You will do what you want to do, okay? Our actions are very powerful. So this man was stuck on the side of the pool, and something was stopping him from taking the next step, yeah? Many times we can get stuck. Something can stop us moving on, keep us in our unfavorable situation that's not the best. You know, there's a great character in, um, in, a, in a, a book by Charles Dickens. Charles Dickens is the guy who wrote A Christmas Carol, or you might remember it as Scrooge. Remember that one, that book here? And a uh, very famous writer. Uh, we, 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 we did a, the, the production of A Christmas Carol a few Christmas ago at the church here. I find it absolutely amazing that the guy who played Scrooge in that Christmas Carol play is now a financial director. Okay, how cool is that? <laughs> That's amazing, okay? And, uh, you know, another book by Charles Dickens, Great Expectations, we hear about a character called Miss Havisham. And uh, Miss Havisham's mother died when she was still a child. And her father, a wealthy landowner, uh, bequeathed, uh, all of our money to her, his money to her, when he died. Um, as an adult, she fell in love with a man who was interested only in her money. And at 9.20, on the day of her marriage, while she was still wearing her wedding dress, Miss Havisham received a letter from her fiancé uh, and realized she'd been duped and abandoned at the altar on her wedding day. When she reads the note, she realizes what has happened. She refuses to take her wedding dress off. She keeps the wedding breakfast on the table along with a wedding cake. She stops all the clocks at 9.20. It's not almost 9.20, isn't it? I'll take the battery out, okay? <laughs> she, didn't have she didn't have batteries, okay? But we've got batteries. There we go, okay? Um, uh, and she was in the middle of putting her shoes on. And she didn't put a second shoe on. There we go. Okay, she, she left it. She lived like that for years and years and years in the same wedding dress. The wedding banquet, the wedding breakfast, the cake on the table went moldy and the house crumbled around her and the clocks were stopped and she lived with one shoe off. She became defined by a single tragic event. Yeah? Has your life become defined by a single tragic event or by a series of lesser tragic uh, circumstances? Mine has at times, okay? But single events or tragic circumstances can influence and define our lives. Miss Havisham had placed all her eggs in one basket. She had a single vision for her future that was dependent on a fickle human being for it to happen, and she could not see anything outside of this situation. But perhaps, perhaps it was that she was not prepared to look because the pain was just too intense. You know, she would have to admit that she was wrong. 
She would have to admit that someone had humiliated her. She would have to let go of the fantasy uh, which can be more preferable than the reality. She would have to give up the joy of being hurt and gaining revenge. Did you hear what I said? <laughs> there's, a, there's, there's something in this, isn't there? I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying this emotion because I'm a victim, okay? feels good in some sense. And revenge is sweet. You have to give that up, okay? There's a, um, there's a place where holding on to a dream, despite the tragic reality that it has died, is less painful than letting it go. Yes, yeah, sometimes our default is comfort. You know, one preacher said, your dreams are on the other side of your pain barrier. It can be pain that stops us moving on uh, to the next stage of our lives, yeah? Friends, don't ever think, okay, if we're a Christian here today, that the Christian life does not involve pain. In fact, I think if there's not some pain in your life, at least at some time, it may be you're not living the life that Jesus talked about. Because he said in Luke 9.23, take up your cross daily and follow me. And John 6.33 says, um, um, uh, but he said, in this world you will have trouble, but I have overcome the world. Friends, when we realize that we are living and operating behind enemy lines and we're living in hostile territory, when we get that perspective on things, things seem to make sense. Yeah? This world isn't out. The world isn't out just to bless you, just to give you a great life, okay? And uh, we shouldn't be making friends or draw support or comfort from the enemy forces around us. You know, World Church, guys, is, is translated from the Greek, which has its roots in the word to call and out of something, okay? So the Greek word is ecclesia. There we go. But the word means church called out. We are people who are actually called out of something and into something. Let's grab that, guys, okay? Let's not think about uh, taking our comfort, taking our support, taking our strength from anything, really, apart from the one who has saved us. And, you know, Paul, the great apostle, you know, says we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. He clearly had times he went through pain and he went through suffering. So don't run away from pain and suffering. We're entering Easter week, okay, sometimes called Passion Week. You know, a word uh, uh, to replace passion, a meaning of passion, is the word pain. Did you know that, okay? If you watch, I'll challenge you and dare you, if you can, watch the Passion of the Christ this week, okay? And uh, you tell me that the Christian life doesn't involve some level of suffering. As you watch The Passion of the Christ, or as you watch any of the films that will be on TV this week, remember, this is the person I'm following. This is the person who actually I am trying to be like. Let's remember that, guys, okay? If he had to suffer and die, how much more do we have to think about that as well, okay? Uh, Jesus said, for the, it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So, friends, I'm asking you, <laughs> I'm asking myself, yeah, to face our pain. Whoa. Face our pain head on and move through it. 
Don't let your pain rob you of your future. Push through the pain barrier. That's a hard thing to do. We don't like to face it. Let's face our pain. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane was very clear. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. My Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Very clearly going through pain. Not just physical pain, anguish of mind, soul, and body. This Havisham lived a solitary life and became bitter and manipulative. There was hope, though, even on a human level. Uh, Dickens wrote, In seclusion, she had secluded herself from a thousand natural and healing influences that her mind, brooding solitary, had grown diseased as all minds do. And the reverse, and reverse the natural order of things. There is a natural order of things. He recognized that. Uh, of their maker, he says. There is a natural way to be well in body, soul, and mind. Even the natural things we can draw, you know, family, fun, and friends, these help us, okay? They help us out of ourselves sometimes, which is amazing. So how much more healing is there from God? How much more healing do we get from God if we decide to face our pain, if we decide to move on, decide to push forward? You know, what clothes are you still wearing? You know, the wedding dress that Miss Havisham wore eventually caught fire and led to her death. But even before she dies, she has the chance to let go, to choose a different outcome. She really died of a broken heart. You know, I was sent away to school at the age of 11 and had a wonderful time, okay? I'm not knocking out a great time, okay? Teenage boys, however, left their own preferences, are not the most skilled or concerned about personal hygiene. They're not, okay? Uh, I'm washing clothes. And I realized if you wear the same pair of socks day after day after day, they become crispy. They do. Cheese and onion. And they stand up by themselves, okay? It's really cool. But it's good. If you then put them on, though, as you put your shoe on, they kind of warm up and melt. And, <laughs> and all's good. It's all good for the day, okay? All's good, yeah? Oh, I've changed, okay? These aren't like that, okay? okay. So uh, what are you wearing day after day? What am I wearing day after day that we need to get rid of? What clothes are you wearing that you've been wearing for far too long? Think about that, okay? Uh, but it's painful. I'll have to confront it. I'll have to face it head on. Yes, but there are clean, fresh clothes on the other side. There are fresh fields and open spaces and places where dreams are fulfilled if we're prepared to take off those old clothes that we're wearing, okay? But a man by the pool had an excuse, yeah? He had a reason. There's no one to get me in the water when it's stirred. We all have ideas, do we not? We all have thoughts. We all have mindsets, and they are the most powerful things. The most powerful thing is a thought. A thought or mindset can keep us held back for years, and it might be inherited from your family, for example. A subtle thing about mindsets is we don't realize we have them. We think everyone thinks like we do, yeah? Um, you know, if you work in the fish market, so that anybody works in the fish market, yeah? You smell a fish, but you don't realize you smell a fish, yeah? Uh, we think we're normal, and this is just the way it is. But it's not. Yeah, it really isn't. Uh, not everyone thinks like you. Do you know that? Yeah? And there may be aspects of your thinking which could be improved. Sorry, but they could. 
you know, the Bible says, so as he thinks in the heart, so he is, talking about a certain ruler. And uh, so what we think in our heart, the mindsets we have, the attitudes we have, uh, they influence us like a rudder. And we don't even realize it's happening, yeah? Because we think it's normal. Um, so what mindset or patterns do you have that stops you doing X, Y, or Z? We only realize that there are different ways of thinking when we listen, learn, and read what other people are saying. Let me encourage you to read, yeah? Let me encourage you. This is what a book looks like, okay? And it's got pages and it's got ideas and thoughts in here, okay? And you can read it and it gives you thinking, okay? So let me encourage you to read, guys. When was the last time you read a book? I wasn't a good reader, but now I'm better, okay? Which is, which is great. Obscure, if it'll work. Um, didn't really understand this, the Bible. You know, the angel used to come down and stir the water, okay? And then you jump in and you get healed. You know, did it work or didn't it work? Is this a whole new theology that we have here? Well, if it is, we should have left the baptism here last week, okay? Because we could have jumped in and, uh, and when the angel was stirred. But, uh, you know, I think angels don't need pools. Really do. Should have, yeah. So, uh, is it obscure? Did the angel come down? Did the people get healed? Who knows? I think the Bible on purpose is obscure uh, because... We all have our obscure theories, do we not? We all have ideas about what will make me happier. Yeah, if only I can get married. Yeah, if only I can get a job. If only I can get a better job. If only I can, you fill in the blank. You fill in that blank of that thing you're waiting for, and it suddenly it'll all be better. Yeah, it's obscure. It may work. It may not work. If I jump in the pool, it may work. It may not work. I think the Bible leaves that obscure on purpose. You know, asking too many questions keeps us stuck. Overthinking keeps us stuck, okay? Thinking certain circumstances have to be right. The water has to be stirred. Once the water's stirred, I'll jump in, I'll be good. Hedging your bets on a slim possibility is not worth the risk because it may work, but it may not work, yeah? Personal theories are not usually the best theories. You know, I heard yesterday a great, uh, great guy preaching. He said, uh, you're looking for clarity Perhaps God is saying, uh, I want to give you, I don't want to give you clarity, I want to give you opportunity to trust me. When we've got clarity, there's no need to trust, yeah? When we haven't got clarity, there's need to trust. Let's grab that, yeah? Um, I could win the lottery, not that we should do it. That would, would that work? You know, if you're depressed and you win the lottery, it just makes you rich and depressed, okay? Does it make doesn't change a lot inside. It really doesn't, okay? It does not change a lot inside. Even when I get to heaven, we could be waiting for that day, yeah? When I get to heaven, it'll all be good. And uh, it'll all be made right, yeah? But are you aware that Jesus in Matthew 22, 32 says, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He's the God of the dead, not of the dead, but of the living. This means what happens here now is important and significant, yeah? Uh, Jesus said, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. What happens here today, now, yeah, is important, okay? Not yesterday or tomorrow or in heaven or whenever, okay? What happens here today, now, is the only time you've got. Now is the only time God 
knows. When he looks at his watch, he sees now. That's all he sees, okay? Nothing else, yeah? Um, so uh, are we present, guys? Are we present in the now? <laughs> or are we living in some old experience that's still clinging to us? Or are we thinking of some experience that we can have in the future when suddenly it'll all be good again, all be right, something will happen to make it good? What is our excuse? It's amazing how Jesus does not enter in much discussion regarding this man's ideas, yeah? Jesus sometimes says more when he says nothing. What is he not saying to you today? You know, before Pilate and Herod, on Easter week, yeah, Jesus didn't say a lot, yeah? Hardly anything, actually. To Herod, not a word, not a word. Isaiah 53 says, As a lamb before its shearers is silent, Jesus only speaks when he wants to. <laughs> you cannot make him speak. Um, by not entering into discussion, Jesus was saying a lot. He was saying to this guy, you're a million miles away from your answer to your problem. Yeah, it's not even worth talking about. You are wrong. Um, before Pilate and Herod, Jesus did not fight his case. Yeah? On Thursday or Friday, whenever we celebrate that, okay? He did not argue or fight against his crucifixion. Uh, 1 Peter 2 says, when they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. What about you? Do you fight? Do I fight and fret for my cause? Do I manipulate and argue for my point of view? Or do I trust myself to the one who judges justly? What do you do? What do I do, okay? Do we entrust ourselves to that? He is the Lord. We have to start acting like that's true. Yeah? We have to start acting. So he gives one command to this man, get up. He cuts across every discussion and argument. Get up means I am all that you need and the answer is here. I am the answer. Trust in God. Not your ideas, not your fear, not people. Here, now, it's me. No detailed instructions. He didn't tell him how to get up. He didn't say, well, move your arm, move your leg, and you know, that kind of stuff, okay? Uh, he just said, get up. He didn't help him up, yeah? He didn't lean on him to get up, okay? The man had to overcome his thinking and comfort, his ideas, his hurt, his past, or whatever was stopping him, and had to be willing to match his actions to his convictions. This was just as much a healing of the man's thinking and worldview and mindset as it was of his legs. How is yours getting on? He had to back up his real desire with action. Do you want to get well? The action indicated the faith, physical act of standing was secondary and indicative of the change that already happened in his mind. At once the man was cured. How long does it take God to do a miracle? How long does that take, okay? When does God want to heal you? God only knows one time. Now. The elongation delay is often on our part, not God's. How much God wants to do the at once, uh, and we make him wait, which is amazing. The man was obedient to Jesus' command. He was no longer going on his own ideas, feelings, and theories. He was just obedient. Sometimes we have to park our ideas, park our brain, okay? Park our fears, park our pain, just be obedient to what God is saying, okay? Uh, do you think God wants you to be obedient today, yeah? 
you know, um, it doesn't always make sense. Jesus didn't make sense a lot of the time. We get stuck, guys. He does not get stuck. What is it that God wants to do for you now? What old clothes do you and I need to get rid of? What mindset do you and I need to adapt? What belief system do you need to change? This man was not a believer. Yeah? He didn't even know who Jesus was. Before Jesus spoke to him, but he did not, he didn't know who he was, okay? In that moment, he just took the chance that Jesus could help him. Maybe you can just take that chance right now. Okay, we're going to think about that, guys. We're going to stand up. I'm going to be rude to you, okay? Because it's the word of God. The word of God was get up, okay? And that's what I'm going to actually say to us in a second, all right? Now, when we get up, we are going to get up and we're going to think about these thoughts today. We're going to think about taking off our old clothes. We're going to think about confronting our pain. We're going to think about facing up to our pain and moving towards it, yeah? We're going to think about changing our mindset. Uh, We're going to think about today, now, being the first day of the rest of our lives. We're going to think about the healing that we've been waiting for, the healing that we've been expecting. Why not now? Why not today? Yeah, no reason whatsoever. So we're all going to, in a second, get up, guys. But in one sense, we're all going to get up. But what's going to happen is on an individual basis, we're going to get up for different reasons. You're deciding to move on. You're deciding to take those old clothes off. You're deciding to do what you want to do. You're deciding to put the shoe back on, front rower, breathing a sigh of relief there. You're deciding to put the battery back in, and God does a remarkable thing when you do that. He takes the time to get you back up. Okay, so I'm going to be rude, guys. And this means something for you. Make it mean something for you. Make this mean something for you, okay? So uh, I'm not yet. In a second, I'm going to say get up, okay? I'm going to be rude because Jesus was rude, yeah? He said, get up. That's not very, he didn't say get up, please. He didn't say, could you get up, please, or whatever. He said, get up. In that get up, you're trusting God for whatever you're trusting God for. In that get up, you're saying, I'm moving on, I'm making a decision, I'm letting my actions match my beliefs and my convictions. I'm getting up because I want to be healed. I'm getting up because I want to take those old clothes off. I'm getting up because I want those mindsets which have held me back to finish, to stop. I'm getting up because I'm saying, this is it. I'm moving on, I'm trusting Jesus. Or I'm getting up because I've never trusted Jesus. I've never even knew he existed, okay? But actually, I realize now I could just give it a chance. I could just trust him. I could just get up and perhaps he'll help me in my situation. That's all this man knew. He would help and he helped him. That's all he knew, guys, okay? Perhaps he can help me if I get up in Jesus' name. So I'm going to pray, guys. I'm not going to pray. I'm going to say one, two, three, get up. So hold on, guys. I'm going to do it, okay? And we're going to stand up like this man stood up and we're going to believe for what we're believing for. A million different things will be believed for here, guys. But you stand up for what you're believing for. So we're not asking individual people to stand. We're all going to stand together. Because we've all got stuff which we need to let go. We've all got stuff which holds us back. We've all got stuff which we're waiting to happen but might not even happen. We've all got stuff we want God to do in our lives. Okay, so is that good? Okay. One, two, three. Stand up. Okay. 
Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your grace in our lives. We thank you for helping us. We thank you for, for being there for us. And as we stand, Lord, we make the declaration that we want you to come into our lives. We want you to heal us. We want you to help us. We want you to change our mindsets. We want you to make today, today, we want you to make uh, our lives amazing and not boring and exciting for the rest of our lives. And we commit ourselves to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. That's all from us here on our LRC podcast. If there's anything else you would like some more clarification on or you would like to take the next steps in your journey, then why not head over to our next steps page at londonriversidechurch.com forward slash next steps. That's all from us here today and we hope you have an amazing week.